challenge is life, and the suggestion to you today is learn from Jesus, and you learn from God. A lot of us have teachers, whether it be a mom or a coach, but today we get to learn from Jesus. So Jesus used an interesting Greek word. We're going to teach that to you today. That word is manthano. God made you to manthano. Every day around you, you have an opportunity to manthano at work, at home, at the computer, as you talk with one another, with friends at school. As a matter of fact, today was made to manthano. God makes tomorrow for you to manthano. Now, if you're like me, there's a good chance you're a slow at manthano. There's a good chance you're fast manthano. There's a good chance you're not manthano at all. So write this down. Number one, God sent Jesus to help us manthano God. God sent Jesus to help us manthano God the Father and Jesus. So there's an interesting verse in scripture, John chapter six, verse 41. We saw this briefly last week. We're gonna see it again today. The context is Capernaum in Israel, northern part of Israel, Galilee. They're in a Jewish synagogue. Jesus is there, and yesterday he performed the miracle of 5,000. The crowd follows Jesus to Capernaum. They witnessed the miracle, and now they're literally knocking on Jesus' door constantly. They want another miracle. They want Jesus to do something supernatural. So John chapter 6, verse 41 says, the Jews, therefore, were grumbling. Circle the word grumbling. Any gripers here today? Did you gripe this last week? I did. Who'd you gripe to? Jewish people were notorious for griping. All throughout history, any history book you read, the Jews were always griping. In the context here, the Jews were griping about Jesus. Specifically, Jesus is declaring he's God. Jesus says to them, because he said, Jesus said, I am. You remember last week, I am Yahweh, self-existing. I am life. See that word bread there? Above the word or below the word bread put life. I am the life is really the better translation. I'm the life that came down out of heaven. He is the bread of life. Now, friends, the Jewish people that heard this statement, they're starting to twist in their minds. They're thinking, not true, he's a liar, he's a fake, and they're upset and they're griping. There's no way God from heaven would send Jesus, and here's the logic. The logic is bread equals life. They get that. This is linked all the way back to Moses and the Exodus, that without bread, the Jewish people in the Exodus would not live. So bread equals life, and Jesus is saying he's the bread. See, the logic is no life without Jesus. Jesus is saying he's life. This means that Jesus is saying he's God. Now, friends, there's lots of reasons to gripe and doubt about Jesus. That's what the Jewish people think. 
Now go with me to your life. There's lots of reasons you want to gripe about your life because Jesus doesn't do what you believe Jesus should do. So have you ever thought about a gripe line? Let's call this the Adam and Eve gripe line. Look at the apple, Garden of Eden. Go over to the cactus. Let's call that Arizona, Phoenix. Notice Jesus is there. Let's go back from the cactus from our time back about 2,000 years. So friends, 2,000 years after Jesus, we still hear people griping about Jesus. So the flawed logic is verse 42, John 6, 42. They, the Jewish gripers, remember they just saw the miracle yesterday, John 6, 42. They're saying, is not this Jesus the son of Joseph? This is just a human being whose father and mother we know. How does he now say, how does this, this boy that we knew, this human being, how does he now say, I have come down out of heaven? You see, they watched Jesus grow up, many in this crowd. And the Israelites understand they have a privileged to talk about God. It's part of their, their inheritance. Think, think for a moment clearly with me. Listen, we complain when life fails to meet our expectations. We get disappointed, we get frustrated. That's what's going on with the Jewish people here. They want another miracle. Their expectations, Jesus, you did it yesterday, the feeding of 5,000, we want another one today. And Jesus is not going there. So Jesus says, I'm gonna help you manthano. A lot of us in the room here today, those online, we have to manthano. And a lot of us are going through life, we're griping, we're not manthanoing. So verse six, uh, John 6, 43, Jesus, you might wanna... Uh, Add the word God. God, Jesus answered and said to the Jewish crowd that was griping, do not ganguzo, do not ganguzo, do not grumble among yourselves. Your translation may say murmured. Why not just put the word whine? Whine. You see, 1,500 years before Jesus, the Jewish people were griping in the wilderness. You remember that? You remember they griped at Moses when they said in Exodus 15, 24, what shall we drink? God led us out of Egypt and now we don't have water. What shall we drink? And they're griping at Moses. Think with me. Think clearly. 1,500 years before Jesus, the Jewish people are complaining because God failed to meet their expectations. All of us are going through life with a set of expectations. They are complaining 1,500 years before Jesus. So let's call this a Moses, a Moses gripe line. You see it? Literally 1,500 years before Jesus, and then after Jesus for 2,000 years. Friends, that's 3,500 years of griping, specifically about God because God didn't meet my expectations. So we have to back up and understand, we complain 
because we don't think God does it the way we want. And that's exactly what's going on in the text here. So why gripe? Why do we gripe? And the answer is no manthano. You see, these Jewish people are convinced they're right. They're right that Jesus is not God. They believe that. So Jesus says in verse 44, he tells the facts, he tells the truth. If you want to get out of a whiny, gripey mood, go to the truth. Whatever the facts are, go get the facts. Look at verse 44. Jesus says, no one can come to me. Now that's a pretty bold statement. No one can come to Jesus unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I, Jesus, will raise him up on the last day. What you just read here in verse 44 is a bold statement of unity with God. Jesus saying, I have complete authority and I'm united with God the Father. Now, that little verse, again, verse 44, is saying Jesus is God. I'll come back to it in a moment. A lot of you are now focused on that verse, verse 44, the word draws. We're going to come back to that in a minute. But what I want you to now do is look at verse 45. Here's how the gripers respond to Jesus' bold statement that he is united with complete authority with God the Father. Here, here's the statement that Jesus makes to the gripers, verse 45. It is written in the prophets. Now the prophets, that would be people like Moses and Isaiah and Micah, Old Testament before Jesus. It is written in the prophets and they shall all be, say it, taught. Taught of God. And then Jesus adds these interesting combination. He says, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. So circle the word taught and circle the word learned. Here's what's going on. Jesus goes back 700 years to Isaiah 54, 13, and he says, and they shall all be taught didakatos, didakatos. They're all going to be instructed about God. They shall all be instructed of God. D-I-D-A-K-T-O-S, didatos. So Roger, when you're trying to experience life and you're starting to whine and gripe, what's going on, friends, is you're missing what God is up to. So I want to encourage you in verse 45, can you circle the word learn there? Everyone who has heard and manthano, there it is. Everyone who has heard and learned manthano from the Father comes to me. Now this has got to make all of us humble, not become arrogant. Circle the word learn there, add the, the little word manthano, M-A-N-T-H-A-N-O. Jesus is saying everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Ladies and gentlemen, you're in Christianity. You're a believer because you learned from God. You're a believer because God reached out and brought you, drawed you by the authority of Jesus. You're learning how to do life 
because Jesus is at work in your life instructing you. Here's an interesting, if I may, a timeline. Here's the Isaiah. Look at this. Isaiah is approximately 700 years before Jesus. And all of us know the Jewish story, Old Testament. Maybe not all of us, but we understand. What you have here is 700 years before Jesus, they were griping. 1,500 years before Jesus, they were griping. And 2,000 years later, people are still griping. Now, I want you to think longer with me. Did Adam and Eve gripe against God? And the answer is yes. Here's an Adam and Eve gripe timeline. Friends, when you put all this together, it's got to make you pause and wonder, why do you gripe? Why do you whine? If we go back and we just simply add it up, literally, you have some 6,000 years, maybe 7,000 years, maybe 8,000. I don't know exactly when Adam and Eve occurred. I don't know that. Maybe 10,000 years. But throughout all of this time, God is trying to educate you, help you learn, help me learn not to gripe because God's got it all under control. I want to suggest to you this morning, fact number two, God sends Jesus, this may be painful for you, to call you out. God sends Jesus to call me out about my griping. Verse 42, and they were saying, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say I have come down out of heaven? And look at verse 43. He just simply calls them out. He answered and said, hey, don't gripe. Don't grumble among yourselves. This is a gentle rebuke. You cannot change facts. And humanity for thousands of years want to change facts. You can't. You can, one person said this, you can't go back and change the beginning. But you can change the start from where you are and change the ending. A lot of us want to do over a mulligan. A lot of us want to go back and somehow maybe have a different set of parents maybe have a different set of circumstances. Some of us want to go back and redo the beginning. One person said this, the capacity to manthano, the capacity to learn is a gift. The ability to manthano, the ability to learn is a skill. And the willingness to learn, manthano, is a choice. If life is hard for you and you have fallen into the gripe phase of life, you got to learn from Jesus. Jesus is graciously sent by God the Father to get people to think better, learn wiser. I find it interesting, Psalms 119.71. See if you agree with this. The psalmist David says this, this insightful statement. It is good for me that I was afflicted. It's good for me that I was sick. Really? It is good for me that I was afflicted that I may learn in Hebrew, lamad, in Greek, mathano, that I would learn your statues. Until you're flat on your back and you're helpless, you don't learn. 
lot of us just shake our fist at God because we want God to do what we want. If life is hard, you have to begin to manthano or you're gonna recycle, recycle the gripes of life for thousands of years. You're expecting things to be different. You see, manthano is becoming aware of the facts, the truth. And the truth is you're not God. The truth is Jesus is here to tell you about God. Never forget, one of my, my verses that I, I cherish, I come back to again and again is Philippians 2.13. It's a verse I don't understand, but it's a verse that gives me uh, peace. It gives me vision. Philippians 2.13. For it is God at work in you, Roger, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Parenthesis, not your good pleasure. Roger, Philippians 2.14, do all things without grumbling. Roger, do all things without disputing. Verse 15, Roger, do it this way so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent children of God. It's powerful. God wants his people not to gripe. God wants his people to find unity, harmony, whether it's in your marriage or whether it's raising kids or at work. He doesn't want Christians to be whiners. You're to speak the truth in love. So may I just simply say, Jesus says, Roger, stop bellyaching. That's what he's saying to the Jewish people. May I suggest, number three, here's how you go from griping to trusting or contentment. If you want to get out of the whining, belly aching, moaning, here's what you got to do. Number three, God sent Jesus from heaven to earth. You got to go there. Why do I say that? Well, John 6, 41, Jesus therefore, the Jews therefore, were grumbling about Jesus because he said, I am the bread that came down out of heaven. Friends, heaven is where God is. That's where Jesus came from. There's no sin there. Earth is where we are. There is sin here. We're broken. Earth is where Jesus came to to help Roger stop belly aching. Friends, there's no anger in heaven. There's no COVID-19 in heaven. There's no isolating in heaven. It's beautiful in heaven. John 6, 42. And they were saying, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down out of heaven? See, friends, they have the same problem that you and I have. They don't get it. They don't really fully understand that Jesus is God. Number four, to stop whining, to manthano, to learn. Number four, God sent Jesus to be your no need to gripe bread. Think about it. You see, God has a bigger perspective than you do on your circumstances. He sees what you cannot see. I like Matthew eleven twenty nine. I shared that earlier with the worship team. Uh, it says this, 
Jesus says, Roger, take my yoke upon you and learn. Manthano, learn from me. For I am gentle, Jesus says, I am humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Your bread rest is Jesus. So when you get angry, anybody have an anger issue? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Les, don't raise your hand. Roger, put your hand down. I have an anger issue. Just ask my wife. My guess is everybody has some kind of something that sets you off. See, Jesus is just simply saying in John 6, 41, the Jews were grumbling about him. How can he say I've came, come, down to, come down out of heaven? He's just simply saying, Roger, come on, stop griping. I'm God. You're mine, Roger. Friends, whatever God says about Jesus, whatever Jesus says will never change. This is never going to change. Cultures change. Popular opinion changes. But God's truth never, his word, alpha and omega, it will never change. If it was wrong 6,000 years ago by God's facts, it's still wrong. And we've got to back up every day and buy in the fact that Jesus tells us what's right and wrong. If it was right 6,000 years ago, it's still right today because culture does not determine who and what God is. You see, when you try to see from God's perspective, you got to back up and understand you're like an ant trying to figure out the star, Venus, the sun. It's, it's, it's way beyond us. I came across James 4.11. Roger, your job is not to decide whether God's truth is right or wrong, but to obey it. James 4, 11. When Satan came to Eve in the garden, did God really say that? You see, when you want to get frustrated and your anger snaps and you don't like it because your expectations are not being met, you're basically saying, hey, whatever what God says is not doesn't matter. When you're tempted, Satan is trying to mess up the way you think because you're not learning what God wants you to learn. Uh, some of you know Ron. Some of you know Julie. Ron wrote this short brag on God story. Hey, Roger, God has greatly blessed us during these COVID-19 times. As you may know, Julie was scheduled to have a much-needed foot repair surgery on March 20th. That surgery was canceled due to COVID-19 shutdown. Julie's ankle and foot problems are decades old, but just keep getting worse with the passing of time. After having a meniscus tear in her knee about two years ago, it majorly exasperated the problems in her foot. We followed the advice of the specialist and Julie followed the plan that the surgeon put forth and we finally came to the point where surgery was the next step. Ron says, one major setback was that my recent two employers last year both had a 90-day probation period before I could sign up for medical insurance. Our plan 
near the end of 2019 was to sign up for the most expensive medical insurance plan that my employer offered. This in order to reduce out-of-pocket expenses for two surgeries that Julie desperately needed. The medical plan year ends at the end of April, just this past April. We worked with the doctors in order to get both surgeries completed by that time, the end of April. This is where COVID-19 stopped our plan in its tracks. Throughout the month of April, we tried to sort out how we can move forward with the repairs and with the surgery. With the medical plan year rolling over starting May 1, and our out-of-pocket max being reset, we could not afford the out-of-pocket for the second surgery ourselves, which was originally scheduled to be on March 12th, but got March 20th, but was canceled. This also means that there's no reason to not scale back our medical insurance coverage to a plan with lower premiums. We decided that we would try and save money up for the next year and then beef up our insurance again for the next medical insurance year of 2021. This was not an easy decision to come to. However, in reality, it was the only option available. Saving 250 bucks in premiums a month could go f- toward next year's out-of-pocket expenses. We were at, that, at, at the point where every single evening in April was a painful, bad evening as it pertains to foot pain. Julie's tendon, ligament, and bone problems in her knee and ankle and foot have been a personal prayer point many, many times. On April 24th, Julie openly gave her foot situation to the Lord in prayer, mainly pertaining to having to wait another year. She gave it, I'm just gonna wait another year before the repairs can be made. On April 27th, Ron says, I openly ask God to help Julie as it pertains to controlling pain and giving her the wisdom to do so. On the next day, April 28th, the surgeon's office called Julie and wanted to set up surgery in May. Julie let them know that if it doesn't happen in April that we have to wait another year The surgeon and his staff, along with St. Luke's Hospital, came together and were able to have surgery on April 30th, the very last day that they could take advantage of the major insurance coverage. Ron says this, God more than answered our prayers. He made the unthinkable happen in a miraculous good way. We are so thankful where God has us in this season of our lives. Back up. Manthano. You see, fact number five, all authority, even over hospitals, all unity, even over all the doctors and the medical team, all authority and unity comes from Jesus and God the Father. You got to believe it. Because, friends, that's what verse 44 is shouting. John 6, 44. No one can come to me, Jesus, unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last days. You see that word draws there, alkuo, literally in the Greek? It's this idea of to drag. 
This verse 44 is saying Jesus and God the Father has all, all authority. Nobody can usurp God and Jesus. This verse is saying all unity and all power goes to God and Jesus. So friends, when you make plans and they do not work out, Jesus is still in charge. He's still working on your behalf. You see that word, Elkuo? He's drawing you. He's got a plan for you. When it comes to this concept called salvation, it is unequivocal what this verse is saying. If he has all authority, if he has all power, all unity, then God the Father is the initiative in the salvation enterprise. God draws people to himself. That expresses sovereignty. And then you got to quickly add that Jesus has been preaching this word pastuo, believe. So we must believe God is working on us. Both are true. The word draw stresses the power of God to draw people. He is actively working in your life. You got to believe it. It does not say that God forces salvation on you. It says literally that he draws. We have to listen. We have to believe. There's a part that we play in the process. Roger, God is drawing you to him. Do you believe it? Roger, you must believe. John 6, 47 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. Friends, both are true. How this works out, not completely understood fully understand, but may I suggest to you fact number six, only Jesus has seen God the Father. That puts a period at the end of the sentence of this unity and this authority. Only Jesus has seen God the Father. Verse 46, not that any man has seen the Father except the one who is from God, he has seen the Father. He is saying this to a group of Jewish people that have been whining and bellyaching and griping because they want another miracle. Their expectations aren't being met. And friends, nobody's going to control, nobody's going to power over Jesus. He's the one. May I suggest to you, fact number seven, God sent Jesus to offer eternal life. That's what verse 46 says. Not that any man has seen the Father except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. Look at verse 47. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. 48, I am the bread of life. 49, your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. And the amazing promise of verse 50. This is the bread. I am the bread, Jesus is saying. I'm the bread. I'm the bread which comes down unto heaven so that one may eat of me, Jesus, and not die. You can imagine the cynicism in the Jewish crowd in that synagogue. What are they talking about? Friends, this is an amazing statement. Jesus is saying, you've got to eat me? We live in a world, friends, where everybody starts thinking that Christianity is about cannibalism. Jesus is not saying, eat me physically. He's not saying, that's, don't go there. We, fact number eight, feasting on Jesus is offered to everyone. It's believing. It's learning, manthano. The ways of Jesus, the ways of God. 651, I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, 
believes in Jesus, follows Jesus, learns from Jesus, he shall live forever. And the bread also which I shall give for the life of the world, say it, is my flesh. Friends, he's the bread. You got to believe he's not, he's beyond essential. Uh, I find it interesting that Jews, when they heard Jesus say that you have to eat his flesh, they're immediately thinking, not kosher. That's what they're thinking. See, because Jewish people would not eat any meat that the blood was not drained from. This is bizarre to the Jewish mind. may not be bizarre to you. See, the word kosher means cleanse. Jesus is saying, look, I wrote the book on holiness. We live in a world where we want to tell God what to do. And when God doesn't meet our expectations, we whine. We want a do-over. We want a mulligan. We want a new set of parents. We want a new this. We want a new marriage. We want a new start. We want to go back and do it all over. And all the while, God is saying, you're mine. I've been working on you before you were born. You're mine. You're mine. Believe me. Trust me. Learn from me. My yoke is not heavy. When you partner with Jesus, it's called rest. You rest. You relax. You don't fight. You don't war with people around you because God has got it in control. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Roger, will you get it? Manthano, will you learn? Or will this week you spend your week griping and bellyaching about your job or the temperature outside or the food that you may or may not have or the bills that you have or this or that? Are you just going to whine and gripe? Why? You're his. He paid his life for you. The God of the universe. Bow your heads, please. God, I say thank you for instructing me and teaching me, helping me to learn to stop griping. That you've been pulling me, initiating your love, and you ask me to believe. Behold and believe. God, I'm often just like these um, Jewish whiners. I want another miracle. God, teach me to learn. Teach me to understand that when I learn from Jesus, I learn from you. That learning from Jesus at the end of the day makes the difference. Not learning the philosophies of the world. Okay to learn them in a, in a small way, but never to usurp you. When I learn from Jesus, I learn from you. God, I ask that you would take each one of our lives. Some of us don't have a job, and I'd ask that you'd give them rest. Some of us are struggling to pay our bills. God, put your arms around them and provide for them. Remind every one of us that you love us.
in ways we cannot possibly truly understand. We say thank you for the day to worship, to honor you. I ask that you'd bless every band member that supported you in worship just now, every tech member, every person online now or in the next few days that'll listen to your worship and your word. God, may we, may we just bow. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of your glory as the waters cover the sea. Teach me, God, to listen and to obey. In Jesus' name, amen.